out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It's day 42 of 100 Days of Colin. Thank you for joining. All of whom are joining. I'm going to just go ahead and post an update here. We are going to cover or begin covering the concept of the Judgment Industrial Complex. It's kind of a related offshoot to, to some of the work that's being coined, the taxonomy associated with the uh, Center for Humane Technology, human approaches to the internet, those sorts of things. But the Judgment Industrial Complex is the actual monetization of the fight that happens between people. <clears throat> there is a manufacturing of judgments or the percep- perception of being judged um, that I'm, I'm really aware of right now. Because people are, they're somewhat naturally combative when it comes to to elections and religion and any of the hot topics that people tend to get, you know, spicy about. Um, sometimes it's gender, sometimes it's reproductive issues. Sometimes, you know, it's just just think of all the hot, fiery third rail issues that that you already know. You know, it gets their people like right away. And there's people who focus and study on what animates people and agitates people to get people to go from zero to 60 emotionally like grabs their attention and manipulates them emotionally so that they will react respond and and literally go fight one another and it's I, I made a uh, in, inference that that basically this is the same as like the mandingo fighting where basically you don't you don't really know that you're being pulled into a conflict but uh, in order to generate cash for the internet or to generate some sort of buzz or some sort of, you know, false, you know, equivalency of, of attention, um, you create a train wreck or you create some sort of, um, you know, right now the big magnet is this disastrous hurricane that's hit, hit Florida. Well, there's going to be another one every September. So you can, you can actually kind of bank on it. People have planned around... Um, centralized disasters like like a hurricane landing making landfall somewhere on the Gulf Coast or the eastern seaboard every September slash October. In fact, it's so predictable that there is a well-worn uh, route between northern Florida, the panhandle of Florida, and Mobile, Alabama. They plan around it. They stock up extra burgers and and fried food in the, in the fast food joints on the way to Mobile that it actually becomes its own kind of uh, tourism currency. So if you're there, if you're present during September, late September, mid to late September, when the, the hurricanes start kicking up, you know, there, there's people who, who follow the storms and, you know, reporters who want to break out and, and make their careers you know, standing in wind, you know, in in fifty-five to seventy-five mile gusts with a microphone, getting sprayed by bullet rain, trying to stay on camera and not get blown away. That's hilarious, and it happens every every September. You can you can bank on it, but that's a that's a crisis, crisis in a can, and it's guaranteed news attention. That you know, people are just on it. Oh, there's flooding. All the you know, it happens every September. 
I would say sometimes it usually at least threatens Florida, but it'll land somewhere between, you know, somewhere in the Gulf region. And that that's all the way through Texas uh, and, you know, down into, say, the Mexican Yucatan. I don't typically know that they, they've hit there, but when they hit the American Gulf Coast, you know, you're going to know about it. So I don't have much Hurricane Ian coverage other than to tell you that, that it's part of that attention economy. So um, let me go ahead and invite some more people to the room here. I'm going to send an update. Come be human. Come be human with us. Unless you're not and you can't be human, well then just be, just be what you are. Be whatever it is that you are with us. And there it goes. Okay, so I've got two live with me. Here you go. And who do we have in the room? Oh, we've got Joshua. I'm a, I'm Manopod. Why is it some electricity sound? How am I sounding, Joshua? Is is the uh, is the technical relay okay? Can you just give me a little? Little emoticon jump there to let me know that the uh, the mic's working proper. Hmm, it's not good. So let me send send out some more send out some more notifications here. Hey, I'm in the room. La 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 la. How's your Thursday, everybody? It's late. It's night. I just spent probably a a really fun hour in Brady Crow's room. Brady has like 10 rooms, by the way, that he 10 different shows. That kid is wildly artistically productive and doing a lot of stuff. Um, but he's here in Texas and he's he's supposed to do some live music and a live open mic tonight. He volunteered to come on the show and do some live music if he's at his live open mic. I'm not sure I'm going to be available <laughs> <laughs> to do a live open mic um, at the hour that he has proposed, which is around 7 o'clock. It's nearly five hours from now. But he says, I'll, I'll come into your room, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I, I love fun 20-somethings that are really kind of into life. They're into making discoveries and living and, and being, being making new friends and discovering the world. I had uh, a fun chance to talk to him about some of the things that happen after after hurricane flooding. And one of the things that does happen here in Texas is all the frogs die at the bottom of the floodplain in your street if you're in Houston. And then people have to... Maybe they're not dead. Even if they're not dead, they're all in the street right by your house. So you have to back down the curb. You must get out and go to work. There's no way to, to avoid it. You're going to kill some frogs. There will be dead frogs at the, at the bottom of the driveway, and they will cover the road. And that's what they call toad jerky or <clears throat> toad leather. You know, you just peel them up, little, little frog, dead frog, squish frog bodies, little dead toad bodies, and they just cover, cover the street. As far as the eye can see in your neighborhood, it's just covered with dried, crunchy toad corpses. <laughs> Completely flattened. You know, God bless them, you know. And, and, the, and the birds aren't even interested in it anymore. They're just like, forget it. <laughs> and, 
And so we talked about what to do with the toad leather. You can make belts or boots. <laughs> Which is, you know, a conversation I would never would have had unless I was on Colin Network. I would have never been able to discuss toad leather unless I had that conversation with Brady Crow. So let me get back to the uh let me get back to the matter at hand. So I'm discussing something I'd like to call the judgment industrial complex. And what I believe the judgment industrial complex is, is um, kind of like the ad hominem environment. The environment where you come into a situation, like you're like, I'm, I'm rearing for a fight. I'm looking for a conflict. I'm conflict prone. I'm ready to defend my position, whatever it is, and I'll use bad argument tactics I'll, I'll go into a situation looking for a fight and not knowing how to fight or how to fight fair. I'll use terrible things like name calling ad hominem. You know, I'll use false facts, you know, facts that don't exist. Uh, I'll, I'll use extreme examples um, and, and tone fallacies. I'll cut people off in, in arguments. I'll, I'll use dirtball tactics to, to make sure that they don't get their way in the conversation to make it look like I won the argument but you know the, you didn't actually win the argument like if you were making a quote unquote case you would have to analyze the case and then fight somebody over it and, and there would have to be a point of contention like if you're not making a disagreement somebody might actually try to disagree with you in order for there to be some sort of contention in order to draw uh, draw attention to the conflict. So I've had several... I actually produced a little bit today. So so if you go up to the box that says Unsanctioned Citizen, you just push left, there's some articles up there. California Age of Appropriate, um, de- you know, like, debate and uh, use. So child- children are especially trained in... Um, you know, they're getting bullied online. They're getting trained in how to behave towards other people online. And so there's, but it's a naturally distorted artificial environment that is, that is being created and it's, it's dishonest. It's making us intellectually dishonest with one another and it's training us in intellectual dishonesty because we're looking for the fight first and then kind of trying to communicate about it properly later and that makes a really dysfunctional world to kind of live in you have to hop over somebody's staticky like really jarring fence emotionally before you get the chance to talk to somebody in um kind of a meaningful relatable way so they lead with the argument they lead with conflict and if if you can get over their their conditional fence then you actually get to have a conversation and that's that's typically not how you know i mean it's it's gatekeeping but it's not necessary for for meeting someone when you typically meet meet someone new you want to be nice you want to you know stick your hand out and and you know be genial and but some people aren't nice some people are not naturally nice some some people come in you know with a really hard defensive outward bound but you know if you if you communicate this is a social environment you know everybody's hoping to meet other people and make nice with other people and, and build build friendly friendship based relationships like we're, we come to this environment to look for friends and friendship um, 
So, uh, oh, hey, North, you popped in there, and then you pop right back out. There will be an opportunity to talk soon. So I wanted to also point out this article on the lament of rising liberalism on the right and the left. And so I routinely will pan the left, but I also need to start panning the right a little bit more because some of them have gotten out of hand. And some of the things that I've heard recently are really tough to swallow. I, I need to not make um, concessions and, and be silent about the, the nastiness that is being had, okay? In political environments, there's just there's bomb throwing verbally. Um, those things happen, but we need to just kind of pace ourselves and kind of remove ourselves from that if it's, it's if it's being chased up or or kind of dredged up by the internet. Okay, don't don't allow yourself to be needlessly emotionally manipulated uh, for the points of making attention because there there are times when you know, the internet only makes money when you are fighting. And if the point is to develop positive relationships, it's not necessarily going to make the internet money. So I figured that if I just say that, that the judgment industrial complex is driven by someone's need to to unnecessarily dominate and unnecessarily judge someone just to stoke a conflict just so that there will be fighting and just so that you know the media denizens can can make money and the way that cable news is doing someone must be the enemy there must be a bad guy there must be somebody who is is judging being judgy or fighting okay someone has to be wrong someone has to be doing the absolute worst thing i am so insulted ah this was the worst thing that could have happened you know this person is in an abysmal place their character is 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 inherently immoral and they should get off the stage okay i hear it every day from both teams you know it's perpetually gusting outrage and so people are trying to to label these things and and put names on them so in in the uh box up here, there's a lament of rising illiberalism. You know, too much of this is where we become increasingly intolerant, okay? Because if you're attacked repeatedly, you're going to just start being automatically defensive. Just, ah! Okay, and, and once those defenses automatically fly up, you know, defensiveness actually can, can really cut you off from other people when you could have ordinarily had a productive conversation or about a, a productive discussion about a policy matter, um, you know, kind of fine two things and, you know, things that you actually do agree on um, or could work on uh, for the benefit of people, of the people, okay, for good social outcomes. Um, but people will not get there because the media environment is propelled to make money from the judgment and the, and the fighting. Okay, so here's here's what uh, is coming about. Okay, there's there's a rain of data from from this conflict, and it's becoming known as data pollution. So um, what is unfortunately being coined now in order to to glom money and get get concessions and and be in power is to to push data pollution as an environmental science measure to get involved with the whole World Economic Forum and green. Green inclusion, equity, blah, 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 blah. You follow me? The ESG, SGG, that whole thing. All right, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing 
the seeds of it here with Gree Hasselbach. She's trying to make a concession because she so wants, I know who Gree is, and I know what she's doing here, but I don't think we should be ingratiating the World Economic Forum's flawed persuasions. Okay, that's a different show, but I, I know what she's doing here. Uh, she's trying to include data pollution and, and the data sciences problems into some of the funding and some of the attention space because she so she so wants privacy progress. She so wants privacy policy to get attention and data uh, security to get attention. And so these are the outrageous things that some of these these you know thinkers will do. You know, I I, I sympathize. I don't think this is the right conclusion she can go to or whomever is developing this, this data pollution movement. Um, but they're doing it so that they can get that ESG attention and cash, and they and, and they want to stay on that, that Euro train. Um, so this is a white paper. She's, she's analyzing the white paper. This white paper outlines the connections between the different actors and components of a nascent environmental data pollution movement within the sustainability thread uh, that links its elements in a shared understanding and approach. The main objective is to ensure that data pollution of AI in particular is included in the goal of sustainable development SDGs, the SDG agenda. So the data pollution is an environmental problem. It's not an environmental problem. Uh, with interrelated adverse uh, impacts on our natural, social, and personal environments. It is the unsustainable handling and distribution of data resources defined in a global society with power dynamics that are transformed, affected, and even produced by interconnected streams of data. Data pollution reinforces and affects asymmetric power balances between actors, and we're thinking media here, we're thinking political actors, people on the stage doing their kabuki performances, okay? actors on a local, regional, and global scale, and that is why we need a data pollution movement. Okay, so data pollution movement is already taking form in the policy and legal space. Several policy initiatives have recently been negotiated and put in place to address the sustainability and ethical implications of the adoption and implementation of AI and database systems and technologies. Governments worldwide and intergovernmental organizations have presented AI ethics principles and recommendations, several with a spe special focus on the sustainability of AI and the environmental impact. Since 2017, no less than 60 countries worldwide have adopted artificial intelligence policies. The EU in particular here has taken the strongest regulatory position, thus a comprehensive European data protection regulatory framework was adopted in 2016 in this GDPR um, to harness the threats to privacy and individual empowerment in an age of massive collection, storage, and use of big data. Um, in 2018, the EU, uh, EU sorry, AI strategy was adopted, and in 2021, the world's first AI law proposal was published with a risk-based risk approach. Okay, so I'm going to cap it there. That's data pollution and power. It's a big old big old stinky white paper from uh, Data Ethics EU, whom I am a fan of. I love them. And I want I want ethics. I want data ethics. But merging merging your cheese with the World Economic Forum is not the way, baby. Don't sell out. Okay. So and then I will go briefly 
Two, fighting with mirages of each other. This is an important um, Your Undivided Attention uh, podcast episode from the Center for Humane Technology. Fighting with mirages of each other. These aren't real representations of people on the internet. It's like versions and shadows of each other. Have you ever lost a friend to a misconception or a misperception? Have you ever lost a friend or family member to the idea that your views got so different that it was time to end the relationship perhaps by unfriending each other on Facebook? As it turns out, we often think our ideological ideological, sorry, excuse me, differences are far greater than they actually are, which means we're losing relationships and getting mired in polarization based on warped visions of each other. This week on Your Undivided Attention, we are talking with Adam Mastrioani, a postdoctoral researcher, scholar at the Columbia Business School who studies how we perceive and misperceive our social worlds. Together with Adam, we're going to explore how accurate and inaccurate our views are of each other. So as you listen to our conversation, keep in mind that relationship that you might have lost to misperception and that you might be able to revive as a result of what you hear. And so that's going to be a wonderful podcast to kind of enrich your your learning. If you want to develop more positive relationships online, I think it's something worth worth paying attention to. So I think we've we've gone through quite a bit of content. It's uh, we're 21 minutes in. Does anybody would anybody like to call in and discuss any of the of the concepts that I've uh, pulled up here? Particularly this idea of the judgment industrial complex. Iggy, Nace, Jenny, North. Amir, you're new. Oh, hey, Jenny. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you, Sheila. I don't know that I'm as smart as you on these topics, so I'm I'm not sure how much I can contribute. Well, you use the internet, and and you have children who use the internet, so I'm sure you have some very important insights. I'm not sure I do, but I guess I'll try. (laughs) Um, Do you have any questions or anything? Well, I'm just a free speech absolutist, and so, you know, I I really think that um, the unusual amount of deplatforming we've seen these last two years Mm. with COVID has been a tell of where their hearts are, at least the movers and shakers kind of in charge of at least the social media companies. I'm naive enough to believe that um, Elon Musk's situation with Twitter might unfold to up the ante in terms of broadening Twitter's access. I not only was deplatformed from Twitter last month, I had been shadow banned for like seven years where I had very little engagement with anybody except those who mm-hmm. came over to my wall and, you know, talked to me there. But the feed, no, you didn't see my stuff. So how can we have free and fair elections if half of the people are deplatformed from these spaces? And um, I hope that the courts will make a decision. There was a big judgment in Texas recently. Maybe you mm-hmm. talked about it. Mm-hmm. I came into the show late. That made me feel a little bit hopeful. So Yeah, I actually posted that on my Twitter feed. It's not a lot. I don't tw- uh, tweet a lot right now because their information security practices were conveyed as really stupid and biased. But I did post something here, um, three or four, three or four clicks down. But it, it was on this very topic that you were talking about, net choice. One thing is certain, whether right or wrong, the Fifth Cir- Circuit's decision is unlikely to be the last word 
on this important topic, and that is Daniel Lyons. Yeah, and it it may take some more time, but I do think eventually we'll see a Supreme Court decision on this because it's so important. You know, when they have the ability to just silence so many of us. And my consistent message has been about medical freedom. And I mean, I've been talking about this for 30 years. And so I came online in 1996. So we're, we're talking solid 25 years. I've been talking about medical freedom and especially medical freedom for parents. Okay. So what are your top three issues in medical freedom with, with what you're doing with your activism right now? Top three. Uh, Top is parental rights. That mm-hmm. parents should have the freedom to make for, for medical decisions. For medical. Absolutely. That if if there's a parent who doesn't want a kid to get vaccinated or given psychiatric meds, that the parent the parent holds sway over the medical people. And we've had some recent cases. I think Justina Pelletier is the most visible. Has been in the media. She was literally um, kidnapped from her parents by a medical institution. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, and you know in Massachusetts. Somewhere back east, I can't remember yeah, exactly where. It was but Massachusetts, it, I remember. Yeah, Girl. and so that that was a spectacle, and we've had many of those types of cases that have not gotten the same amount of media coverage. And uh, there's a, a website called Medical Kidnap, which is very helpful for parents to get legal help and share their stories. But it's a thing; it's definitely a thing. And so this is where my deep concern lies, and and COVID has just jacked that up like a million times with how much um, pressure everybody's been under to mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. vaccinate for something that I, I think at right. the end of the day, we're all going to see it very clearly what they did and how they did it and how much human damage wreckage there's been around just the vaccine. So, Right. Yeah. And, and the role of censorship and the availability of, um, well, I'll just tell you, the autopsy reports, the FDA is censoring the autopsy reports. I know. I, I, there's an exclusive news item. Uh, even in search engines, it's being censored. So the government has tremendous power right now to to censor, or has been, because they have not let go of those emergency. And it shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. We have a First Amendment right, and you know what? By FOIA, we should be able to know that data now. There's no class of the FDA doesn't have classification systems like the national security agencies do. Um, but if they s- decide to make it an emergency matter, then there is a national security color on it. So well, and there are more and more doctors standing up. There's a cardiologist in the UK. You've probably heard of him, but Dr. Asim Malhotra. He stood up very publicly. His own father died after getting the vaccine. Wow. Have you heard of this guy? Uh, no, no, but I, it's not its not unusual. I mean, a lot of people have had adverse reactions or adverse... Uh, let me run this this uh, this promo, this, this PR. I have a PSA that I developed for the network just very quickly. Hello, everyone. This is Sheila, host of the Unsanctioned Citizen and That AI Show. I wanted to share a little bit about the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program as part of the HRSA. If you or someone you know is suffering from the lasting effects of an illness or disability symptoms after taking a vaccine, please contact the Health Resources and Services Administration 
to learn more about the resources available to you that could help you and many others. For claims associated with the COVID-19 vaccine or other COVID-19 related countermeasures, please file your request for benefits with the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. Please visit injurycompensation.hrsa.gov to learn more and tell a friend. That was fabulous. You're welcome. Where you, where you can you use that on your that? own show. I, I think it's available on the on the soundboard. It's oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, Good I mean, you're, you're welcome to use it. Well, this doctor, Dr. Malhotra, has published a paper, and he said he spent nine months, and he's, he thinks the biggest issue right now is misinformation. And so um, mm-hmm. he's pushing for real evidence-based medicine, and his paper is being poo-pooed as being published in a, you know, not worthy. They have rejected evidence-based medicine during this, this pandemic. And that's been one of the, you know, most intellectually dishonest and hostile to humanity moves that they have made is that they took real science and threw it in the garbage because it didn't go along with Fauci doctrine. Yeah, no, this, the, the proofs are coming. These are real scientists doing real research. And even though they're not being published in the major medical journals, it was published in a medical journal. It's a it's one tied to diabetes, but at least it was published. It was peer reviewed. And so for those out there who demand that sort of rigor, it's there. But he also has just this anecdote of his own father who said, I knew how much my dad was exercising. I knew how he ate. And, and it didn't make any sense that he would have two major blockages and then this cardiac event that killed him you know, a couple couple months after getting the vaccine. And so he started doing the deep dive on the clotting and the issues around that. Some of us call it the clot shot. You've probably heard that. I have not, but that's yes. great. So, you know, nobody wants to be the one pointing to someone who had a loved one die of myocarditis or some nobody. sort of nobody wants disorder. To be yeah. But we need the truth. And so mm-hmm. I'm willing to offend or... Uh, put people in an awkward position if that's what it takes to say we can do better and we have to do better going forward because the vaccine manufacturers nothing has changed all they did was roll out a vaccine right now that has the regular flu shot and the covid shot as one vaccine that you can go get even for your kids six months and older and and older you know it's like they're clueless they're they're disengaged they're in denial Mm -hmm. and and life goes on for these people until they are held accountable in a legal way, they will not stop. Hey, Jenny, would you mind inviting some of your listeners, like going to, your, to the, the the man with the plus at top and just inviting some people so that they can listen to some of the things that you're saying right now? Because I, I, think, I think you being supported is really important um, and supporting voices just like yours in this space is really important because um, we need to stick together and, and really uphold one another. Um, because there are really injured people and really sick people because of bad medicine. And so I, I don't, believe in I, I don't know what people. you're what are you asking from me? I don't understand. What oh, you're uh, if you go to the as an operation, if you go to your app and there's a there's a little icon at the top um, next to the soundboard plus and there's like the little man. It looks like a little man symbol with a plus. If oh. you hit if you tap that, you can invite people to the program that you're listening to. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, you can invite people to the room that way. So I'm going to, do you mind if I call, uh, bring you up to the speaker column so we can continue to talk? 
Yeah, I I'm fine with that, but um, I I usually take a nap. <laughs> my, uh, my well, I mean, you don't have nap. to stay, but you know, I mean, we can keep the conversation going, and because I think okay. Iggy had something to say. Iggy's a very very um, you know, he he likes to 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 challenge and, and to talk to people. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring him up and make him the next caller. Come on down. Of the hey Iggy, you're just cutting in and out right now. Sorry, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. I I definitely agree with a lot of the sentiment of the things that you're flagging here. And the four articles that you've got up here have kind of um, parallels with, for example, the UK and no doubt other nations. So the California age-appropriate design yeah, um, yeah. link, basically what this represents is a general movement to essentially for the state, uh, the, the state corporate entity to restrict uh, the internet in any way it can under any guise. Um, and it just creates a narrative like, oh, this is harming huh. for children, right? Well, it's important. Now, it's important to hear this 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 uh, this position. It's really important to hear this position because uh, we okay. get part and not and hearing from you is the other part. Go if, ahead. If you, I'll give you an example of, of, of two, two examples. If you look into the CaliforniaADC.com link that you provided, okay, what it's saying is essentially, you know, there's content available that basically should that children should be protected from, right? And therefore, how do you sort that out? Who does it? What are the mechanisms? That's that's roughly the gist of a lot of what this is what this is talking about. Is that reasonable to say? Yeah, I mean that's that's a gist. You, you've you've nailed it. I just put what they put out there. That's public yeah. information. That's what the government's got on yeah. on the die. Here's a okay. here's a really big problem that the government has has got within the way that it's embedding this message. If you roll down, you'll see that it says. TikTok and Instagram have disabled direct messages between children and adults they do not follow. Okay, so hey, we're trying to intervene on this on this damaging mechanism that TikTok and Instagram has. So aren't we good? Aren't we trying to fix the problem? This is disingenuous, and it also shows either willful misleading of the population or it shows technical incompetence by the state. Right, and I'll give an example of that. TikTok as an app is is basically a major threat to personal and national security because when you you know what it can do is it can literally monitor everything you do on a phone including keyboard swiping so you type in your password onto, onto your banking app it's getting it right it can take screenshots from everything that you're doing right so that power of tiktok transcends the fact that between between users adults can send a message to kids it's it's almost ridiculous to just boil this down as a prop. That's the problem with TikTok. Is it bollocks? The problem with TikTok is it's an insanely powerful app that nobody knows. So why does the US government and the UK government allow anyone to use it or not completely flag? There you is understand dissent. that this is how powerful TikTok is. But also yeah. now, depending upon your political um, and, and, and uh, proclivities, why is it that TikTok is being used as a platform for which children are being directly communicated about the whole gender politics issue? Right. That's it's not the only TikTok. issue that's being twisted on the internet. I just want you to I'm know absolutely not. That's I'm the th- most. It, it's really glaring and aberrant, and that uh, that one's a big flag. And, yeah, and Jenny, that, I'm not saying Jenny would talk about that. more to it. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying anything I, I about that, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I'm not saying anything about that topic. I'm just simply saying that TikTok is this medium that allows this kind of communication, which is endorsed because it happens to be a topic du jour, which the state age, uh, state, the tech state is behind, right? But what this does is it undermines the message of this um, California's kids safe online thing. These these issues that I'm raising show you the paucity of this um, of this uh, uh, policy, right? Now, in the UK, okay. there's, a, there's a very similar movement in the UK, but, but another example of it would be that British politicians are trying to close down and, and literally censor the internet access for people, and they, mm -hmm. they want to tie it to digital ID. So they're basically saying, you need a digital ID so that every time you go on the internet, we know it's you on the internet, so there is no anonymity right. on the internet. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, way, I, I'm aware what, of the subject. It's, it's, really, uh, it's a real pain point for me. And the way that's, that's... that they actually want to legitimise it is that they're using the murder of one MP as the reason why suddenly nobody can go on the internet for uh, anonymously. It it's, it's absolutely does not make any sense, but that's the level of um, low-brow discourse that is happening in the UK on this, right? Right. It's, it's their Reichstag fire for this particular single issue. And and they needed somebody to to kind of they needed a crisis um, crisis yeah, exactly. martyr to to gather around and you know this this important person died because you know because the internet because because we didn't know who they were and that's typically yeah, how it yeah. happens for for national ID or any kind of um, you know mass identification identity. Quorum. I'm going to call them the identity. <laughs> and Iggy, can you flesh mm -hmm. out your thoughts on Dr. Malhotra? Because similar things are being said about Dr. Malone. Okay, yeah, so, right. So, okay, the, what do you the know? thing that you have, the, the, you must know this about Asim Malhotra, and I don't say this as somebody who has, I say this as somebody who's had some marginal contact with him. I've had one degree of direct contact with him, material that I've been involved with, uh, producing has gone to him a long time ago and he failed to act in a, w in a way that we requested him to act, right? This is what you've got to remember. Asim Malhotra was a doctor who, in COVID, was literally towing the absolute standard pro-COVID, pro-vax line, including being on British television, shutting down people who, who had concerns based around them believing misinformation, disinformation. He was absolutely the poster boy for all of the bullshit of COVID, right? Now, his own paper says, oh, I, had a I, I was pro-blah, and then I had a terrible personal event, and then I'd started going on this journey, right? Now, this is, this is a form of, 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 um, of obfuscation, right? So what the technique in play here is, is that he is trying to break from his past as a medical practitioner who failed to do scientific medical analysis into the virus and the vaccine, because if he'd done that, he would have ended up where many of us did, which was knowing that the science did not support the narrative. Then he became a vaccinator and defended the vaccine and administered it to, to people. Now, as the narrative has swung and, and as, he's, as he's lost his own father, he suddenly gets doubts as a result of that. Well, oh, he gets he's religion, a medical yeah. professional. 
He shouldn't need the death of his own father to cause him to perform clinical analysis and scientific analysis of wide data sets to work out work out the validity of an argument. And so, funnily enough, when does when does he come out against the narrative? Only when there is a massive amount of accepted anti-narrative narrative now breaking through onto the mainstream. Oh, that's that's convenient timing and convenient positioning. So now he'll be held up as the poster boy, the UK redemptive poster boy medic, right? That's what he's doing. And I and I can say that with this level of certainty because I was responsible partly for sending him information that he did not have in the form of three very long, um, fully referenced letters that were ultimately sent to British Airlines, which pointed out to them, you do realise that no COVID shot is compatible legally or medically with aviation law in the UK or globally because of the risks it presents to flight safety and pilots. And here are three letters, each of 13 pages long, fully referenced, and this is why British Airlines should not mandate this for crew, because at the end of the day, they will open themselves up to massive legal problems when people start becoming injured and then sue, sue airlines on the back of the mandate, which is exactly wow. what's happening in the, UK, the US now. Now, he had this stuff uh, in June or May this year, and he failed to, to, to lend his voice to that campaign. But he, but he learned all of the stuff that we knew off the back of our work, right? And now what does he do? Now, only when he has the cover of the wider shift of narrative does he come out as anti-narrative. It's too late, mate. If you wanted to be a hero, you should have done it when Mike Eden did it. You should have done it when Robert Malone did it. You should have done it when um, Ryan Cole did it. But he's not. He's actually uh, in it for himself on a, on a purely public basis. So you've, you're claiming that he's using... He's just another medical narcissist who's using the dead dead corpse of his father to 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 appear moral, like it's virtue signaling. I, I wouldn't even I don't even need to bring his own personal tragedy into it, right? And actually, I don't think he does either, because you can just look at this on a medical basis. So I think it's actually kind of a bit distasteful that he even bothers to refer to his own tragedy himself. I don't know. I mean, when you lose your father that, that to uh, the the deficits of, of medicine, and you can conclude that, I, I don't but think it's... He, he, he joins like other people's sorrows, and he, he wants he, to to join other people's sorrows. Like, I have lost... Well, okay, so wait. Lost. So he, there's no way that a, that a capable doctor should need direct personal tragedy to trigger analysis... Of, an, of, of a medical or scientific narrative to then realize that that medical or scientific narrative Oh, oh I agree issues. with you. I agree with you utterly, Iggy. The problem was is that there was mass formation psychosis and that a, a lot of doctors fell into that, just like a lot of really intelligent people fall into cults. But this, well, but this then, but Iggy. this then raises questions about his capability as a doctor, like it does for all doctors. Because if I, as a non-doctor, was able to sit there, read science, science, literally scientific papers, do the analysis, look at data, and work this out for myself without a fully formal medical background, 
and uh, and and then relate it to aviation law and safety and work out hmm this isn't this these things aren't compatible there are problems downstream and i can and, and i have the documentary evidence of my work sent to other people with a group of other doctors and hey iggy do you uh, have any any links that you'd like to share with the audience because if if you would um you can just place them in the um in the chat queue and then um, other people will be able to see them. I have also supplied an additional link to the Convivial Society and the Pathologies of the Attention, uh, I think, what it is, the Pathologies of the Attention Economy, which is all, mm. all on par with the Judgment Industrial Complex and kind of like this manipulation of, of truth and reality that seems to be happening ongoing because of the internet and being kettled in a pandemic with a lot of, you know, selected... This is the information we have for you. This is what's real. No, it's not. You know, and, and well, this, what, is, this is the conversation we keep having. I, I really think that you're going to see large, increasing numbers of medics trying to escape the, the, their past in COVID, similarly to what Asim Malhotra is doing. Or they will use him as their spearheaded way out to say... Oh, uh, we, we, we did somehow we didn't know. But as soon as they say somehow we didn't know, then the question is, are you a capable medical professional then? Because you didn't do the analysis. No, and, they're and this not. is why most That's medics are staying quiet because they don't That's want to face point. that they're, question. They're drug pushers and they know it. You know, there's there's very little science in vaccines. Anybody who's read the research knows that. The science is bogus, it's industry controlled. And so to have someone like him as a cardiologist come out and say, I didn't know, and in you putting a date, he was given this information on this day, how do you know that he opened it up? How do you know that he read it and digested it? How do you know that it had any sort of an impact then uh, outside of what's ha happened since then? You know, as a busy doctor, someone doing his own research, it's pretty presumptuous of you as the, as the activist, as the journalist, whatever you call yourself, to say, hey, if he's got all these documents, he knows the truth. No, he doesn't. He may not have even read it. And so I'm willing to say to any doctor, anybody caught up in the midst of this who's standing up bravely and trying to speak the truth, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because coming out of a psychosis, especially one that's worldwide, it takes time. It's difficult. You have to, de you know, detach yourself from all the emotion that's going on there. So I, you know, I don't mean to put you down and, and I'm willing to question his motives, you know, and be open minded about it. But I'm still glad that his story is being covered because I do think it, it offers this little lifeline to any other professionals out there going, OK, I'm going to do it, too. Here's my evidence, too. I think it's telling yeah, but the, he did a study. Yeah. You, OK, I, I actually do agree with you. Like the more the merrier. Right. I agree with you in that sense, but the question then becomes why Robert Malone, Ryan Cole, Mike Eden, and many other doctors, all of the American frontline doctors, Simone Gold, they were all saying this right at the beginning. Yet look what happened to them. Why were they castigated? Okay. And why is it now that you, sh you must defend all of those people? If you defend or appreciate Asim Malhotra, because they were doing it first, and Asim, Asim Malhotra is literally jumping on a bandwagon that, that 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 is that is eighty miles down the road. That that's what Malhotra is in this. Yeah, I can understand that, and I see that. But you know, Simone Gold is going to go down as one of the great heroes 
especially because she's done time now in federal prison, mm-hmm. as one of the great heroes, truth tellers, and whistleblowers of the age. And because he, he doesn't have that same street cred as an activist, doesn't mean he needs to sit on his laurels or stay silent. You know, speak up. And I don't Mal think he's not an activist. At him and say you didn't do it right from the very beginning. Well, most Wait. people haven't done it right. Yeah, but my point is that Malhotra is not an activist, and the fact that you use that word at this stage of the game shows you, to me personally, that in a way you are being skewed by his message rather than his method. His method is revealed in his timing and what what he said on video right at the beginning. And you need to take all of that into account in order to understand what Malhotra is. He is not an activist. He is an okay. opportunist. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mediate or I'm going to moderate just, just a tad. Um, Iggy, uh, I'm going to pull you up to the speaker queue because we want, to, you, we want you to keep talking I'm, I'm happy to. to want, I, I'd much rather leave space for other people, so don't worry. That's all. I, I, I appreciate okay. your sentiment on all, the other, on all of the other stuff. And just very quickly... I, I just chucked a couple of things in about Robert Epstein and Tristan Harris on okay. Joe Rogan. They are really good things about about how digitization of the knowledge economy is changing behavior. Very good. That's that's a wonderful contribution to the com- uh, to the conversation. And um, you know, I'm really thankful that Iggy stopped in. Um, you know, he's he's got some points there. But I, how many people do you know that reverse course that you still have to live with? Um, I'll just convey a, a personal experience. I have, you know, the functional equivalent of a mother-in-law, and uh, and we were excluded from from holidays and participating in holidays because we didn't take the shot. And you know, we've seen the light since then, and all the the medicine reversals that have taken place. Um since then have been very uh, how shall I say it's come back full circle and you know how what's our attitude towards people who've really misunderstood what has been told to them or they were misled and they thought that they were doing the right thing and they, they behaved atrociously yes they did they excluded us uh, when every, every all of the systems system wide were excluding us uh, we realized that they were big Kool-Aid drinkers you know, and that communicates a lot. It makes us feel really alienated from the people that that are in our own families, in some ways. You know that that that's an emotional. You know, disen- people are experiencing disenfranchised grief symptoms over this um, because they don't know how to grieve over the fact that you know I was I was cut off from my family over falsehoods. And they're apologetic now, but I could have been dying in the street and they would have left me there. I don't know how to deal with that. So there's a lot of therapy going on right now. Yes, there is. And there has to be tons of reconciliation because there have been those huge wedges in our family relationships and our friends. And I have to fight uh, the never-ending gloat because, you know, my my more uh, unkind (laughs) self would love to gloat and point fingers of scorn and say, I was right, you were wrong. But we have to... We have to be yeah. bigger than that. We have to be kind. We have to recognize where we also have been seduced into fallacious thinking and to not feel like we know it all, even though I think sometimes I do know it all. But, you know, I can't I can't be arrogant about that. I have to just let and you for know, me, there, there, Sheila, before it's my, God, it's, go for I. Me, 
Yeah, well, for me, Sheila, it's my own children and their spouses. And so, you know, I just didn't want to get canceled from my family the last couple of years. But man, it's been it's been difficult. Hello. Hey, William. Hey, Jenny. Hi, Sheila. Well, I'd like to add a couple of things here, and I hope you find them relevant. First, let me tell you, my father used to sell for J.B. Serrell, which is a big pharma company. And when I was very young, seven or eight, he said to me, Bill, don't let any doctors ever tell you herbs don't work because most pharmaceuticals are derived from herbs. And at that time, he used the example aspirin. And, you know, aspirin comes from white willow bark, of course. You know, I like to ask me questions I couldn't answer, you know, (laughs) at that age. But it's like, no. And he says, I got to tell you, he says, I'm nothing but a glorified drug pusher. He goes, most doctors I know use herbs, marijuana, and opiates. <laughs> so anyway, but what what I what that spurred me on to do? See, I have major comorbidities. I'm I've had a pituitary endocrine disease. I'm 400 plus pounds because of it. I have extremely severe sleep apnea, and I'm over 60. So I got three strikes, right? And so I got on PubMed. PubMed, for those of you who don't know is the National Institute of Health Open Access Medical Journal. And doctors submit studies there that are peer-reviewed, and if it's not peer-reviewed, it's going to say early print. Pardon me. And so with the start of this whole thing, I'm like, I already knew about elderberry, Sheila, and how elderberry is effective for a respiratory illness. I'd known that for years. And that's on PubMed, and you can also find it on WebMed. In fact, Tamiflu is derived from elderberry. So then I started digging, and I saw an article that intrigued me. It's 2010 Medical Journal on PubMed. It, and you can easily find this, and I'll put in the link when I'm done, you know, when I'm done talking, next person comes up. Zinc and zinc ionophores, 2010 article on PubMed. ZN's... 2 plus inhibits coronavirus and enterovirus RNA polymer not a word I'm used to saying polymerase, polymerase yeah. in vitro and zinc ionophores block the replication of these viruses in cell culture and if you read the article it also cites that these this is effective versus polio which is interesting now because you have these um uh, sewage plant uh, sensitivities tests they're doing in New York. They're saying there's polio, yada, yada. So so not to minimize anything. So this is a 2010 in PubMed, okay? And I will put the link up so people can look at it and say, well, what's a zinc ionophore, Bill? Okay, zinc ionophore. Here's the deal. Zinc circulates in your bloodstream if you take it, but it doesn't get into the cell plasma. The zinc ionophore somehow positively charges the zinc helps it get through the receptor into the cell plasma where it does its, its thing, and God knows, it knows how to block viral replication, apparently. So we, and then you say, well, what is zinc ionophores? Again, you can search and find that easily. Quercetin is a natural zinc ionophore, and also black seed. And these you can find on PubMed, don't take my word for it. And then the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have zinc ionophore properties. Okay, so it's it's zinc. It's all zinc based, and if you take zinc, zinc is an antiviral uh, treatment. Right, but the ionophore. See, then Dr. Zelenko talked about this a lot. He consulted the pre- President Trump. Is it's the the way he said it is this? He said, "The zinc is the bullet. The ionophore is the shotgun." 
In other words, you just take zinc, very little of it gets into your cell plasma. The whole idea is getting the zinc into the plasma, and that's what the ionophore does. According to Dr. Zelenko and this article, it, you need both to have the uh, uh, highest effect on in, inhibiting viruses. Does that make sense? It's not just Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an amplifier. You know, you can take zinc and it'll still help. Right. Um, it, because, you know, people take, what is that, airborne, and that's mostly zinc, um, during their just to get over the hump they need to get over the cold quickly i'm not a medicine person i a little bit but you know i, I want to be well and i want other people to be well and so over-the-counter medicines that actually do work and known to work shouldn't be eschewed um they should be embraced you know for for their independent virtues what bothered me about um some of the ivermectin is that here we have a pulitzer prize winning medicine mm-hmm. Okay, and people just plumb forgot they didn't know about ivermectin or the, or it was a medicine that was globally lauded for its antiviral and 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 you know wellness making properties for for colds and flus. Okay, but it was thrown under the bus by the institutional left because well, it, know, was, uh, it was embraced as as a as a medicine win for the Trump administration, which is expressly political. It was politicized medicine. And that you is also have, pathetic. I, see, that's actually a Nobel Prize winning drug. And you had hydroxychloroquine, both on the World Health Organization list of essential medicines, used initially for uh, anti-parasitic uh, properties. But they hey, have William, other problems. Can I can I bring you up to the speaker column so that sure, we can of keep course. the, the um, conversation going? You're going, yeah. Okay, I'm going to invite you to speak, and then we're going to take Pedro. Yep. <clears throat> hey, Pedro. Uh, uh, good afternoon, Sheila and Jenny. And uh, so uh, I was just curious about what Iggy was saying uh, when I uh, just uh, tuned in to listen. Uh, now I'm a bit more interested in hearing about what are actually potential bad effects of the vaccine because I was kind of also forced to to have the vaccine by. Uh. So so I was just going to say that I'm looking forward to hearing from Higgy because he's usually on other shows and uh, I was mm. we were hearing from him yesterday so so just looking yeah. for looking forward. To, to hear yeah, that. I, for anybody listening, you know, if if you have information or special information, uh, medical journal citations or, or important information about um, you know medicine that went bad during the pandemic, you're welcome to come to the show and discuss it with us. That's what that's what we're about. So I'm going to reinvite Iggy to the speaker column so that he can speak for himself on this matter because uh, it sounds like he has written some. On it. So ahead, I absolutely, absolutely do not want to hijack your show, Sheila. So just, you know, you were I'll invited to, to speak, really brief. And, I, and I also don't want to take you off the topics that you originally started with. Right. So I'm not trying to do that. And I, I'm actually a bit reticent to to be up here, but I'll, I'll, do, I'll try and do this in two minutes. Right. Pedro, I can send you directly, Pedro, some information which is inc- fully, totally fully sourced, which will answer the question in detail. But very quickly. The major issues that are going to were, were guaranteed to come out of the vaccines are autoimmune disease, 
because when you look at the mechanism by which the vaccines work, they induce and depend upon autoimmune response to your own cells. Why? Because they hijack your ribosomal and DNA machinery to produce a foreign body, a foreign protein, which then fills your cell, causes what's called cell signaling, and also sits on the outside cell membrane, which then makes the cell, your cell, look foreign. That triggers various forms of autoimmune response. Your immune system identifies your foreign cell or identifies that your cell looks very infected with something that's producing a foreign protein. It goes in and it shuts down that cell, apoptosis. It kills the cell, right? Now imagine if you were injected with a compound or a, or a product that did that and it did it in your optic nerve in significant concentration that when your body had an autoimmune response against those optic nerve cells, your vision was either temporarily or permanently impaired because your body has destroyed those self cells. That is the mechanism that's inherent in the Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca, Pfizer and Moderna, both versions of these technology platforms. The that mRNA. was inherent. Yeah, that, but that, that was inherent from simply reading the lay explanation of how these things worked, right? And I was in a conversation with the AFLDS doctors in February 2020, and they were talking about Syncytin 1, the uh, possible issue about um, fertility. That's a protein related to fertility and the formation of the placenta. And I put it to Simone Gold and Richard Urso. I said, look, I've looked at this. And I believe that there is an inherent autoimmune mechanism which is going to explode because it does this, 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 and this. And they went, uh, well, we didn't think about it. Yeah, maybe. We don't know because there's not data yet. But yeah, now you said it, that's, that's valid. From that, medically, it, was valid. it made sense to them. I saw that as a lay, a lay person, and it's now real. It's recognized. Myocarditis, pericarditis are forms of response to um, autoimmune responses when, when the shit gets in your heart. Now, the biodistribution data shows from Pfizer, and it's recognized in all of the regulators' documents right from the beginning, that they didn't know where this shit would go in your body. It crosses the blood-brain boundary and all the rest of it. Now, I don't want to talk any longer because I can literally just, it'd be better for me to send you something personally. Right? I would so really you can like read this it, yourself. Iggy, if you would ingratiate us and put these links in the chat app so yeah i can't people... i can't i can't link to them because some of the documents are literally documents sitting on a computer rather okay. than having been published on the internet but i can share them on a on a more personal level so i'll drop you a line pedro later on okay and then and you know what? What I'm to also include me where i can try to share some more of I, this, I can okay? put them in in a link form onto a page and then transport them into um the sourcing form at the head of the episode, if you don't mind, Iggy. Yeah, um, no problem. I'll do what I can. But there's one, a couple of questions I'll ask people to just think about. Is did anyone who took this stuff go and look at the EUA documentation that was produced by either the FDA, the UK's MHRA, the equivalent in Australia or Canada or anywhere? The answer predominantly is no. Now, if you do go and look at that now for what was produced in December 2020, the, EU, the American EUA, you will be shocked 
because it says no human fertility testing was done. The only thing that was done was on eight Wistarhan rats. And even those eight Wistarhan rats, 10 point something percent of them had birth defects, right? But they were but they were tolerable because the supposed boundary was eleven percent, right? Before it had to be it be was flagged as a concern. No yeah, there's been corroborating for- evidence on our, on this show from yeah, other no- reporting, including Naomi Wolf herself. Yeah, who's actually exactly, reading but- Pfizer's reports and, and, and making conclusions similar to yours, okay? And for exactly, these things but- she was thrown off the internet. <laughs> Yeah, but the beauty of the beautiful thing about this is the shit that's coming out now that is being corroborated by further information already existed inside the EUA mm-hmm. documents and the, the research base at the time of December 2020, spring Q1, Q2 2020. But no one bothered to read it. And it's only people like me and people I'm connected to who read it who could have a completely ra- rational scientific basis. And that I, allowed I us to go to airlines and say... I'm yeah, not but, but, saying that you, know, you were the only one, Iggy, but no, it's but wait, public it, on, information. On mass, on mass, right, in, in all of the circles that I'm connected to, professional, medical, and aviation, basically nobody had this knowledge. And we were producing, we were amalgamating this knowledge and sending it to British airlines saying refute this if you want but we're alerting you to this because if you go down the road of mandating for pilots we couched it in this way saying we our concern is for your business because if you mandate knowing now all the stuff that we just sent you pilots may if they get injured will turn around and sue you right and that was a tactic that helped major airlines avoid mandate because they realized now that they'd been served with the evidence that created the documentary chain chain of evidence that they knew stuff and therefore pilots who might have been forced via mandate would be able to sue them and that's a tactic we had to resort to in the uk so you know and that all came from reading core documentation that did exist we didn't find out secrets we read what all was published all right all right all right, all right. anyway that's that, i you. don't want to take it too much time. Thank you. Thank you, Iggy. Thank you, Pedro. I'm going to bring up Jock now. Hello, Jock. Do you mind being the last caller? Can you hear us? Hello? <laughs> Suddenly everybody got so quiet. <laughs> very, very uh, chirpy here up until Jock uh, stepped up to the microphone. Um, and again, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna. Iggy does have a a Substack, um, but I'm not gonna pull out information, pull, pull it out of him. I'd really like to hear some of the sourcing that he's had, uh, or to see it, so that we can source it here at the episode. Can we just have a moment of silence for Jacques' uh, ID photo of Klaus Schwab? <laughs> oh, it's Klaus. Bugs, tossing bugs to the masses. <laughs> That is next level meme warfare. So thank you, Jacques, for the laugh. I am anxious to hear what you have to say, but that, that's an awesome Klaus. photo. Klaus Schwab with the, with his uh, you will be happy and own nothing. Own nothing. You will own nothing. Hey guys, I just want to note in the text in the live chat, I put links to some relevant um, articles off PubMed. One I mentioned and a couple of others, and also a YouTube video from MedCram, Dr. Sahal. And 
I'll continue to put other links in there for okay. your information. Okay. Okay. Is it is it for this chat? Because I'm not seeing them yet. Uh, yeah, I just they're, they're in there. I, I mean, you, you can see them. I can see them. Yeah. Okay. Well, then they'll probably they'll probably show up eventually. Okay. <laughs> just because I can't see them doesn't mean that they're not there. I mean, this is Colin. <laughs> you never know what's going right. on with the chats. Right. 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 Okay. okay, so so Jock, going once, going twice, my friend. You know, are you there? Yeah, thump your phone a little bit. Okay, it looks like uh, it looks like we don't have Jock, but you know what? This has been one of the best shows we've done. I I am so happy everybody stopped in. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it. Um, I'm gonna throw it to the room with Anthony Omine and uh, for Unredacted. I don't know if Glenn's going to be there today. I'll just cross my fingers and, and check in. But, you know, just go over there if you can um, and check it out. They usually are talking about some pretty important world stuff. Um, I have sneaking suspicions it's going to be about Russia and the propagation of or the possibility of there being nuclear brinksmanship, which is what everybody's really worried about. But, you know, they have a unique spin on things. So. Um, thank you guys for joining. We'll be back here tomorrow, eventually. Uh, and just stay tuned. And thank you for joining the Unsanctioned Citizen. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.